Welcome back to Lime Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. Today's beautiful episode was one of the most intimidating ones that I've done to date. Um, one, because it was with Marianne Williamson, who's somebody that I've followed for many years and really appreciate her work and her impact on the world. Uh, two, because it was in large part about politics, which is probably my least savvy subject. So I apologize in advance for some of the moments where I feel um, a combination of nerves and um, just lack of education, my own personal education. I think I kind of took the conversation down some weird directions. Uh, but nonetheless, Marianne saved it and she is um, she's a real inspiration. I really greatly value her um, work in the world. I greatly value her opening up some time for us here on the Lab Podcast today, and I uh, got a lot from this conversation, so I hope you guys dig it. I recommend for people that give a dang about this country and or world uh, to donate for Marion Williamson's presidential campaign. I will provide the link for y'all to jump on there and uh, put some money towards something that matters, which is the views that Marianne is bringing into the political realm. I think it's invaluable to start having some of the conversations that she's presenting. So uh, I'll provide the link for that on the in the show notes and uh, really greatly appreciate y'all's support. Uh, thanks so much for jumping onto the website, alignpodcast.com, A-L-I-G-N podcast.com. There y'all can start the five-day movement challenge, start breaking down the fundamentals of how to move well in your body. We're always communicating with our physical selves. Um, Albert Morabian, interesting fella from uh, UCLA, came up with the 55-38-7 principle and broke down essentially that 55% of our communication is based off of body language, the way we move. Uh, 38% is the tonality of our voice and 7% is the words that we are speaking. So essentially what that means is if you say a thing and your body says something else or your tone says something different, um, about 93% of the time, the world will pay attention to what the tone and the body language is saying over the, over the voice, um, or over the words rather. So that's what that gets into. Five day movement challenge, break down how to integrate better movement in your life. And that's what the Align Method Online program is about as well. I really appreciate people checking that out. Uh, it's a seven-day free trial. You can go to alignpodcast.com slash method, A-L-I-G-N method. And uh, seven days free, no strings attached. You can just check that thing out and breaks down morning routines, nighttime routines, um, how to integrate better movement into your life, self-care for unwinding, steering technology, so forward head posture, roll forward shoulders, roll forward spine, disengage glutes, all the things. All right, that's enough. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in this conversation, and I am so honored to get to bring the immense wisdom from Marion Williamson here today. All right, here we go, back to the show. Bow. Align Podcast. So first of all, I wanted to thank you for getting me re-excited, or maybe excited for the first time ever in politics. Well, that that's a big deal. Thank you. I've, if I'm doing that with this campaign, that makes me very happy. It's a really big deal. That's what needs to happen because I believe that some of the most forward-thinking Americans have become, over the last few decades, chronically disengaged from politics because it's so toxic, because it's so disconnected from what so many of us feel really matters. But that has only exacerbated the problem because when you take some of the most forward 
you know, thinking people out of the process, it only becomes more toxic and more disconnected, which makes people interested in it even less. So uh, this campaign is opening the space for re-entrance, um, I believe, into the process by people, a lot of people such as yourself, and that makes me happy. Yeah. So what was the origination <coughs> of that disconnect away from love and away from heart and away from wellness and taking care of people and into financial gain? And More than anything else, the advent of trickle-down economics in the 1980s, which was this philosophy that was backed by billions and billions of dollars, tremendous economic and political power, which argued that the organizing principle for society should not be deep democracy or deep humanitarian principles should not be necessarily that which you and I would believe should be the guidance system of any life or any collective, but rather short-term profitability for, for corporate interests. And the idea was that that would increase so much more profit for corporate interests, but that that money would trickle down it would then lift all boats, as they said. More jobs would be created. Now, if you were to say to people at that time, the main promulgators of that philosophy, yeah, but what about things such as you and I say? They would say, oh, the marketplace will take care of those things. Yeah. But by definition, the marketplace does not necessarily take care of those things. Because those things, while they do produce long-term sustainability and even long-term profit, because they produce long-term viability for our bodies, for our psyches, for our hearts, for our families, for our systems, they do not necessarily produce short-term profit in any particular moment. Mm. Not everything which is necessary uh, to help a life thrive creates profit right. on a short-term basis. So that's when it happened. And it came in strong, it came in big, <clears throat> and, it, and it corrupted our government. And then within 10 to 20 years, because of the, the money that was uh, wielded by those forces, because of that, the government mainly became advocate more of an advocate for that marketing principle, for those corporate interests and their short-term profits, then it became an advocate for us. Then you get back into what you and I were first talking about, which is it made a lot of people go, well, to hell with that. We're not interested in that. And then you started the real death spiral and the real problem that we're now in. Yeah. There's a book uh, called Sacred Economics by Charles, Eisen, Charles mm -hmm. Eisenstein. <coughs> right. And that he taught me about uh, the principles of interest being that's like the, from the first dollar, there's interest attached to it. And the way that the system is structured is such that we need to continue going into this illusion of growth and progress in the form of the way that it is now, taking, destroying resources. That's the difference between, well, that's where you get into your whole conversation about capitalism that is so emergent today. I am not someone, some people do. I, I do not feel that the flaw there is inherent in capitalism. I believe capitalism can have a conscience and should and must have a conscience. However, the capitalism that you describe and the problem that he's pointing to there is is inherent in a virulent strain of capitalism. Yeah. And that virulent strain of capitalism is what I'm pointing out about the free uh, trickle-down economics, where there is no sense of ethical or moral responsibility. There's no sense of ethical or moral responsibility to people, to planet, to health, to uh, what helps people thrive whatsoever. It justifies itself as ha having absolutely no concern for anything other than fiduciary responsibility to its stockholders. And that's amoral, and it has and will continue to, if we do not intervene, produce immoral consequences. Yeah, so, so another hopefully ignorant belief that I've had 
um, as a underinformed millennial is that the president of the United States is more of like a puppet to corporations. Is that totally asinine or ridiculous to think? It's just very simplistic. It's, it's not worthy of the level of conversation that we're all capable of and that yeah. we need to be having. Well, the, the President of the United States is extremely important, and the President of the United States appoints the Attorney General, appoints the head of the EPA, appoints the State uh, 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 Secretary of State, has, has tremendous power that is wielded by the executive branch. Now, when you say a puppet, I, 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 it, it's, it's not that simple. What has happened is that Every elected official in the United States, not just the president, but every congressman and every senator, and for that matter, every prospective uh, uh, Supreme Court justice, is someone who, in many cases, has become so entrenched within a system that is dominated by corporate influence as to make them for all intents and purposes. So you have people in Congress today who absolutely are total puppets. And I I actually would argue that that this current president is that in very dangerous ways and also a puppet of his own his own psychological issues. However, it's not inherent in the role of the presidency. What has happened is that the entire government has been so corrupted by the forces that we've been talking about, by the over-influence of corporate money, that for all intents and purposes, the government itself has become somewhat of a puppet. But that's not something for us to just say as a fait accompli and therefore not be involved in politics. It's something for us to say, uh, recognize as too close to a fait accompli and recognize that it is our responsibility in our generation to wage a nonviolent revolution to make sure that this country gets back on track. In a democracy, it is of the people, by the people, and for the people, not of the corporations, by the corporations, and for the corporations. So simply describing that and saying, oh, the president's just a puppet, like you're some, not you personally, but, yeah. oh, I'm intelligent, I get that, so then my cynicism is justified. No, 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 no. Uh, that's just an excuse for not helping and simplistic thinking that is absolutely um, unworthy of the people we need to be or the times in which we live. What can youth do to take politics into their own hands and be more active in their <coughs> community and with themselves? Well, for me personally, it's to run for president. And for you, hopefully, it's to support my campaign. Yeah. Uh, I don't <laughs> come from that system. And um, the, the, the mind game here is that that system would now have you and, you and all of us believe that only people who are part of that system are qualified to change it. Right. Now, think about what a mind game that is. And the word really is mind something else. Because, I, you know, I challenge the idea that only people whose careers have been entrenched for decades in the limitations of the mindset that drove us into the ditch are qualified to lead us out of the ditch. Yeah, I agree. So that entire system has become so corrupted that the, I, what that system does not want is someone coming from outside that system. That's the whole point. That's what we need. We need someone with no ties to it whatsoever. There, there's no ties. I've never taken a corporate dollar. There's, there's no, there are no ties there. That's what we need. And yet we've all been trained to think that this political class is, they're the ones who should drive that car. And I think, um, you know, we have many great political experts, but we're on the wrong road. Yeah. We're on the wrong road. How have you your perspectives or yourself shifted during this campaign, going from 
before like a, a spiritual leader, I'd say, to now still a spiritual leader in politics? <clears throat> well, I was always a political activist. I mean, this is, it's, my major note has been the spiritual teaching, but I've always minored in politics and political activism. Yeah. Um, my concern about what has gone wrong, my clarity about what has gone wrong, my clarity about what we need to do to change it is consistent, constant, and unchanged. <sighs> What has changed, if anything, is that my recognition that the corruption, it goes even deeper than I knew. Hmm. Um, the Constitution doesn't even mention political parties. And George Washington warned us about them when he left office. The dominance of the uh, DNC, the Democratic National Committee, in determining who will be the candidate is very unfortunate. They put their finger on the scale in the Hillary versus Bernie campaign. And in so doing, you know, they had this attitude basically that it had to be Hillary. And I think that if they just had kept their finger off the scales, then it would have been either Hillary or it would have been Bernie, but all of us would have known that we decided. People would have felt good about it. And then I think a lot more Democrats would have shown up at the polls. A lot more people would have shown up at the polls. I personally think a Democrat would have won. What's happening this time is not pointing to one person, such as they did last time, saying it has to be her. They're now basically, for all intents and purposes, saying it has to be one of these six. Yep. And they do that with this debate silliness and it is silliness it's like high school theater it really is it's like high school it's this profit making reality show yep. that is the the dnc and the corporate media the debate night who's in the debate but then they make it very difficult for people who are not in their club to be on that stage and the polls are a they're the equivalent of last year's super delegates where they only poll basically people in their crowd so it, it's, a, it's, um, it's, it's unfortunate for our democracy because what it means is that those who represent some of the things which most need to be fixed have too much of a lock on the system. I have learned that. I'm hoping to be able to break that lock. I'm trying. Uh, the problem is you're talking about you're talking about so many millions of dollars that the establishment uh, candidates have. You're talking about so many millions of dollars uh, represented by the kind of, of persuasion, uh, not just money, but the, everything about it, that the persuasion that can be wielded by media when it is in conjunction. It's kind of like this political media industrial complex. Yeah. Now, it's not a monolith because they're very, very good people who are part of all those systems, but the system itself is corrupted, corrupted in ways that are dangerous for the functioning of our democracy. Something that's stood out with me upon uh, digging into your work is your level of inspiration is exceptionally beautiful. Thank you. And I wonder how does a person at an individual level in middle of Missouri working some nine to five job, like how do they cultivate, not to say that they may or may not have the same level of inspiration, but how do we <coughs> cultivate inspiration as an individual? Well, I, I think that we want to stay away from our own sense of spiritual superiority there. Uh, I, I don't experience what you just described. Yeah, I, I 
I, I, I take back the night. Yeah, I, I saw you, I saw your own process with that. Yeah. Uh, first of all, look at something. Let's say Alcoholics Anonymous, which is a spiritual program. It's everywhere. Yeah. And there are people who are part of religious, including a lot of the the um, a lot of the areas that you just described are Christian. And even though all of us have had our uh, moments of eye rolling regarding all uh, organized religious institutions at times, let's remember they were also very sincere and sincerely driven and sincerely beautiful uh, churches and mosques and synagogues. And there's a lot of uh, institutional religion out there which, which is very deep and very real and very meaningful. Um, and I think those of us like you and me who have been so influenced by the new spirituality on both coasts, we need to remember that. Yeah. We need to remember that. And also, um, we have our own shadows to look at at times. But even more importantly, those people that you just described have not been offered a politics that speaks to their spiritual values by either Democrats or Republicans in far too many cases. I think that the Republicans don't walk their talk, but too often the Democrats don't talk their walk. They do tend to stand for the more uh, egalitarian policies, definitely. That's why I'm a Democrat. But so often the relationship with the constituency tends to be elitist, including with the people that you're describing, not recognizing that they care about their values as much as their pocketbooks. Yeah, I think I more mean the person that, f speaking specifically, the person that feels trapped or the person that, I mean, half of Americans aren't able to afford a surprise $400 bill. You know, and the people that are kind of feel like they're not in the the elite class or the winning class. They don't feel like winners in their own life. Well, the issue here is that they're correct. The system has been rigged against them. And that has been happening ever since the 80s. And the only two candidates who spoke to that last time were Bernie Sanders and um, Donald Trump. And that's, that's why it didn't surprise me at all. I thought it was going to be someone who was speaking to that because this populist cry of rage and despair was going to make itself heard. That's also why I believe Bernie would have actually beaten Trump. Bernie was the, was the a progressive populist. Uh, uh, Trump was the authoritarian populist. And of course, he's a fake populist because what he is standing for is anything. Uh, the last thing it is, is helping the quote unquote common man. So what we need is a massive infusion of economic hope and opportunity into the lives of people that you're speaking of. First thing we need to do is we need to repeal the 2017 $2 trillion tax cut that gave 83 cents of every dollar to the very richest uh, earners and corporations. We need to, I think, then put back in the middle class tax cut. That should have been there to begin with. We need to stop the corporate subsidies. You know, we actually gave $26 billion in subsidies to oil and gas alone last year. We need to stop actually, we actually subsidize corporations in taking their jobs overseas in many cases. We need to put back in uh, um, uh, the American government's ability to negotiate for drug prices with ph big pharmaceutical companies. We need to cut some of the military spending that goes only to short-term profits for defense contractors, not to serious legitimate security needs. We need to say to people who, as and Elizabeth Warren was the first one who suggested this, but I think she's totally right, 3% tax on the assets of the billionaire, 2% tax on the assets of those who have over uh, 50 million. And then you're gonna have some cash on hand. And then what you do is you provide uh, universal health care. You provide uh, free college 
at public colleges and, and universities. You cancel all the college loan debt. And you start giving people a chance to breathe. Because when you take away the issue of how they're going to pay for health care, if you take the away from people the issue of how am I going to pay for my kids to college, and you pay, take away from people how am I going to pay my college loans, right there, you can just see the constriction. I mean, just think about Think yeah. of all the economic stress, anxiety, and constriction based on those things that are a chronic stress and anxiety every single day. And just the, you, you will be able to hear the signs of relief and that's when people can begin unfolding their wings that's when people can soar that's when people can produce that's when people can create that's when people can be happy that's when people can thrive that's when people can get healthy that's when people can get strong and that's when america will be back on track yeah i was watching uh, michael moore documentary where to invade next yes it's a wonderful wonderful movie i love that movie yeah and it really illuminates some of the yeah the corruption in, in our prison system And the same the same corruption in the prison system is the same corruption in the food industry and the same corruption with the EPA is the same corruption uh, with gun policy is the same corruption with health care policy is the same corruption with it's all one main corruption. And that is the over influence of money, particularly corporate money on our political system. And that is why we must have public funding for federal campaigns. We won't be able to overturn Citizens United, which is the um, Supreme Court decision that allowed this just flood of corporate money to affect our system. It's unreasonable to think we're going to overturn that anytime soon because of the current makeup of the Supreme Court. But we can have legislation and ultimately a constitutional amendment. Yeah. What do you think of the war on drugs? I think it hasn't worked, won't work, has caused as much suffering as anything else, and it's time to decriminalize almost all drugs. Certainly, let's start with by legalizing marijuana right away. Yeah, yeah. And was that, uh, was the Nixon administration, was the intention of that to, to quiet uh, people that would protest the war and, and be able to well, he, he was just vote. He was doing what corrupt politicians do, this whole law and order thing. He knew that there wasn't a problem. The, you know what, what our drug problem was at that time? The only drug problem we had, which wasn't really that much of a problem, was a bunch of jazz artists like to use heroin. Yep. It was not a social problem. They knew what they were doing. They, it's Once again, you, when you take a deep look, it's corrupt, 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 corrupt. This yeah. was all created. So what do you see the, during that? That was your time frame. You were around during that. Yes, but I, I was. But that whole idea of, of, of what, what Nixon was doing, that was only, I mean, I, I was not a fan of Nixon. Although, interestingly enough, he did do some decent things, which is interesting. He was a real tragedy because he was a very smart man. Yeah. Um, but a lot of what you're talking about now, we didn't know till later. Or those the the normal public, I'm sure many people realize, but a lot of what he was doing, uh, law and order, all that stuff. There was no they, they, these were created problems in order to create uh, uh, political. Was there the same level of power. dissolution in politics, and when you were in your say 20s compared to no, it was now? healthier, much healthier. We 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 knew if there was a problem, we were supposed to change it. Yeah. The people who are out in the streets today today too often affect this posture that they think is so hip and it's so pseudo-sophisticated and pseudo-intellectual. Like, oh, oh man, it's also fucked. Oh man, it's just like, they're just puppets. Oh man. Like, like oh, that's, like, that's, like, that may, you think that was like an intelligent thing to say? Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, no, that's just copying, that's just you, just, how convenient is that? 
that's convenient. You don't have to get any grit under your fingernails. You just get to sit here and act like you're so cool that you know what's going down. You so don't know what's going down because you're not taking it to its real logical conclusion, which is this whole, this thing dies. And if you think fascism is far behind that, you're unwise and that will not be enjoyable for you. So um, <laughs> the issue is that, that in those days we thought, if it's wrong, we need to change it. Yeah. <laughs> because the most regressive forces are thrilled to hear people with that pseudo-intellectual posture, that cynicism. Cynicism is just an excuse for not helping. And when it has this veneer of, I'm too smart to be, to be active, that's, that's, that makes the most regressive forces delighted. Yeah. If anything shows they're winning and succeeding, it's that they were able to get that many people to buy into that nonsense. Well, in your book, Return to Love, it was, I think it said something along the lines of, of being brought to your knees is valuable so you can actually come to a point of finding God and finding your own heart. But sometimes you need to be brought to your knees. I'm paraphrasing. So you well, but some people eloquently. get through through wisdom. You know, in The Course in Miracles, it says, it is not up to you what you learn. It is merely up to you whether you learn through joy or through pain. Most of my learning has been through pain, but but I know some people have learned through joy and wisdom. They, I don't know, they had different childhoods or something. So I don't think, I don't think pain is the necessary path to growth. Yeah. It's just the path most of us have taken. Do you think that the country is close to its knees or we still have time? I think enough of us are on our knees. I think that the Trump phenomenon has been an awakening, clearly. But now, I notice it even with my campaign. People say, wow, she's right. Okay, it's really good she's in the conversation. Notice how insidious that is. So they went from she's wackadoodle to, oh, she's not wackadoodle, she's one of us, and she's not crazy, and... That's, she's not crazy at all. Oh, wow. Wow, she's right. Oh, wow. She should be in the conversation. It's good. Let's keep her in the conversation. Keep her in the conversation. That's what we don't have time for. We don't have time to just change the conversation. We have changed your community, mine, what you're involved in, what I'm involved in. We have changed the conversation. That everything that the whole health and wellness and new spirituality conversation is about has changed healthcare, changed religion and spirituality, in many ways changed models of business, models of, of um, education, models of relationship. We've had extraordinary effect. The issue is we stayed away from politics because politics was so toxic. The only reason it's so toxic is because we haven't gone there. Now, we didn't say, we just want to change the conversation in healthcare. That's not what we've done. We've started companies. We, we have projects. We change healthcare. We, don't just, we haven't just stood on the outside and said, AMA, listen to us. That's not what we've done. We've gone in there. And that's what we've done in every other area. But with politics, we're still standing on the outside. We have to go in there. And that's where I feel like if, we, if people in the whole health and wellness and new spirituality space only realize how many millions of us there are. Yeah. But... She needs to elevate the conversation. It's just more part of. <laughs> so is there time? There's time if we get busy. There's time if we activate our power. But anybody who thinks we can wait another cycle, um, no, there will not be time if we take this too slowly. We have waited too long. It's not midnight, but it's 1145. What is worst case scenario? What scares you about Trump being reelected? Almost everything. If we give him another term, the prospects are chilling. 
I wouldn't be surprised if he, we started seeing journalists jailed hmm. that he didn't like. Um, I hate to even put out something like that, but um, his ideas are dangerous to our democracy. And what's most inspiring to you about this election? Everybody I talk to, talking to you, being here, talking to everyone I talk to, we, I don't think enough of us realize how lucky you and I are. Yep. No policeman's going to come in here and say, shut this down. That's not true in every country. And particularly, not only in terms of you doing a podcast about whatever you want, going into whatever topic you want, but also particularly me as a woman, given some of the things that I'm saying about um, uh, my government, there are places I would be hauled to jail, maybe tortured. I was reading just yesterday about these young girls in Iran who were dancing and they put it on their Instagram page and they've been arrested. And their dancing is like real kind of like flash dance type stuff, like kind of the Iranian version of flash dance, Jennifer Bill. They've been arrested. They're in an Iranian prison today. This is serious stuff. So we have to shore up what remains. You probably say the same thing about people in prison for marijuana. Or, Pardon? Or, well, or you're right. Or LSD you're right. Or you're right. You're right. You're right. But once again, even with that, so we have to change that. Yeah. Not just stand over there and on the sidelines. But your point is very well taken. There's deep injustice here as well. So we have to shore up what remains. And we have to use the fact that you and I, though, this is not totally true. But in general, it's true that you and I do not come from the socioeconomic group that would most have to worry about getting sentenced for decades for a marijuana deal. Yeah. It's all the more reason why you and I need to address it. What's the process of unwinding that? Awakening, like in every other area. You and I, dwelling in the health and wellness, new spirituality space, know that you heal one a heart a time. Once you see, you can't not see. It's like, oh my God, I see. Once you see, once people see, then all you need is a dose of courage. Get busy and don't just hang out. You know, do something about it. You know, we are, we are the legacy of people who abolished slavery in this country. Yeah. Got women the right to vote. Desegregated. What happened to us that we're so soft? Where's our fierceness? Where's our grit? Where's our courage? I thought it was really inspirational, beautiful in the in that the Michael Moore documentary when they went to, to with German students and they were actually researching and learning about the Holocaust. Well, Hitler what age. happened there? The difference there is, and this is you know one of the things pillars of my campaign is reparations for yeah. slavery, and Germany has paid eighty nine billion dollars in reparation to Jewish organizations. Now. Not only reparations, but what you're talking about has to do with the fact that part of the agreement with the Jews after the, uh, world, the war was that Germ all German students in perpetuity would be educated about the Holocaust. Yeah. One of the problems that we have, you know, one of the things I realized talking to people, white audiences about reparations, is that, because I don't believe, that's not my experience, that the average American is a racist. But it is my experience that the average American is woefully under educated about 
the history of race in the United States. That's the difference between what you were just saying. The German student is taught about the Holocaust. The American student is not taught enough about the history of race in this country. But when people do learn it or remember it or are reminded that we're good, we're decent people. You know, when you said earlier what, what it most inspires you, and I do remember that scene in that movie, what one item would you take? Yeah. Yeah, the suitcase. Um, uh, oh, I've learned that the system, in a way, is even more corrupted than I knew. But I'll tell you something. The people are even more wonderful than I thought. When you were talking earlier about sort of middle America, if you, were, if you came with me on a trip, you'd be blown away yeah. by how cool and hip and conscious people are everywhere in this country. Yeah. Everywhere in this country. I'm realizing... And dig- decent and dignified and smart. We have a, a politics that does not speak to the nobility and the intelligence of the American people. And that's why I believe my campaign is successful. And when I say my campaign is successful, some people tell, oh, you haven't polled. No, 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 you don't get it. That's not recognizing, that is not um, registering the groundswell. Because the groundswell is among people who might not be in the, registering those polls, but are, who are smart. We are smart people. And our political establishment talks to us like we're dumb. Yeah. And it talks to our self-interest, but in fact, we are noble. And when you have a candidate, and this is what I seek to do, and I, and I believe it's working. When I say it's working, what does that mean? It means people are attending my talks. People are coming. People are donating. Why? Because people know it's time for a more noble conversation, a more no, uh, intelligent conversation, and a more responsible conversation. Yeah, I'm, I'm realizing in this moment with you, the reason that I've been so disillusioned from the political conversation in general is just a lack of knowledge and a lack of information, a lack of work on my part, learning, you know, and so as I, as it starts to open up, you can start to actually see some of these, these openings of how it's like geometry go in and change. Yeah. It's like geometry. Like <laughs> exactly. once you see that, once you see it, that that's so true. And, but be clear, the political establishment has thrived by disconnecting those dots. Yeah. It's media. Exactly. It's media and the, the system. Yeah. So that because the system, political leadership should be educational. Political leadership should be explaining to people, this is the situation and this is what we need to do about it. But the political leadership too often doesn't tell you the situation. It just tries to figure out from some focus group what you want to hear yep. to get your vote. And so it doesn't empower, it disempowers. And people's eyes glaze over. But we are a rambunctious people. I mean, we are a, a people who go, I'm not going to take that once we understand a situation, but the facts have been scrambled. What are your thoughts of the death sentence? Gone. Should be gone. Gone. Abolished. We absolutely know that we have executed innocent people. Yeah. How could we even be thinking of continuing this practice? Also, I don't even think it's the worst punishment. In the Michael Moore documentary, there's there's images of people in prisons being rolled around and you know dogs biting them and all that stuff, and then they cut to the other 
prisons in Europe that they showed, and it's all about giving dignity to the prisoners. In many, yes, because we have a consciousness of punishment rather than a consciousness of rehabilitation. My daughter, when she was in law school in England, she told me about uh, projects that they had done when she was in the prisons, and um, somebody called himself a a convict, and the guard or the person working with him said, you're not a convict, you're just a person who made a mistake. Because they recognize the value to the society of lower rates of recidivism. They recognize the value to the society of helping people rehabilitate their lives yeah. so that when they get out, they can become productive members of society. Yeah, something like 80% will, will go back to prison within five years. And it seems like that. It, it, do you think slavery still exists? Is that another ignorant thing to say? Well, <coughs> slavery, abject slavery, abject slavery absolutely exists. And we, uh, the United Nations, uh, the last article I read was the United Nations says that there are six, uh, about they, they, they think approximately six million slaves on this planet. Now, there are some people who say, what about sex slaves, etc. That is certainly a form of sla- f- slavery. However, abject slavery exists on this planet in certain parts of the world. What about the United States? Not the kind of abject slavery, I mean, that I'm talking about, no. So abject. the structure of the prison system, where it's, it's kind of... It you know, like we want to be, be careful with words here, I believe. Yeah, that's and, and sometimes the left can be as broad-brushed as the right, um, and, it, and I think it robs words of their deeper meaning. Uh, mass incarceration is a terrible uh, immorality, and private prisons should not exist. And we have terrible abuses within our prison system. Um, And when you ask me what about slavery, we have situations on this planet. I I actually met someone once um, and have read quite a bit of what the UN has written. There are places in this world of abject slavery. How do you balance stress throughout this? The most important thing for me, sleep. I think sleep is, I've never been so aware of how important it is, sleep. Um, yoga, meditation, and just trying to practice what I preach. I've never been so challenged in any situation to make sure I do. Oh, Marianne, give it up, lighten up, get over yourself. Uh, let the love in, breathe through that one. Uh, stop whining. I mean, oh, I mean, we're responsible for our own state of mind. I mean, I know the principles. Uh, I've got to practice them here, the discipline of practicing them. Um, a political campaign like this is exhilarating and brutal. And um, you just have to be responsible for your own nervous system and your own state of mind. Yeah. In your book, Politics of Love, and we'll, we'll wrap up here soon, um, you talk about your dad and wanting to make him proud. And his, I think he's shaving his face and he's listening to his old recordings <laughs> of you. And he's like, he's <laughs> yeah. like honey, okay. you're doing it. Yeah. He said, look, good little sister. Yeah. We yeah. never <laughs> call me honey, but little sister. Yeah. He was... Uh, <laughs> A wonderful person, my father. Is he with you through this election? Oh, yes. I feel my parents. I feel my mother particularly. Uh, You know, you reach an age where statistically it is more probable that your parents have gone on, other members of your family have gone on. And as you age, it doesn't feel macabre. It just feels there are more people at the table than appear to be there. (laughs) How has your mind shifted? Is there any standout bullet points, outstanding points that your mind's shifted since you were 32, just starting this journey? 
I believe that was around when you started going. I started the, lecturing at 31. 31. Here on A Course in Miracles, yeah. Yeah, compared to now. Is there any How my up? mind has shifted? Yeah, like your belief systems or things oh, that you thought absolutely. were true. Oh, absolutely. Of course. I mean, I was 31 and I'm 67 now. You, of course, um, uh, on, on everything, just as part of living life. Um, you, it's, it's counterintuitive. The older you get, theoretically, you would care almost less because you say, well, if the shit really hits the fan, I'll probably be gone by then. But it works the opposite. You care even more. You, the older you get, the more you recognize the urgency mm. to change things in time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. I so greatly appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it, too. This is funny. Your, your headphones mean my Oh, put it back on. Put it back on. I need to tell people where. So, so what are people supposed to do? Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for asking. What people are supposed to do is go to Marianne2020.com um, and uh, donate money. Yeah. Because money, it, there's nothing mysterious there. Money enables me to grow the infrastructure, and what I really need now is to be able to be on television, television ads. A lot of the polling, a lot of the support just comes from name recognition. And the establishment candidates have so much more money, understandably. Um, so I need money. And also we're going to need more unique donors to, you know, because the work now is to try to get into that fifth debate. Um, so even if somebody, if somebody hasn't given at all, to please give at least a dollar. And if somebody really wants to see this campaign out there, give as generously as, as they feel they can. And then um, volunteer, sign up to volunteer. And, you know, particularly if you're in Iowa or New Hampshire or California, which is now an early primary state, or South Carolina or Nevada, but no matter where you are, uh, we'll put you to work um, making phone calls and texting. So no matter where you are, you can volunteer. Tell your friends, get on social media. Don't frickin' protect your brand. What is going on here? What is going on? That's the corruption of our own crowd. Oh, well, I have some people who might be offended. Really? Really? Yeah, the uh, last thing, that I, another thing I learned from you, amongst other things, is uh, there's no monopoly on truth amongst the, the dogmas. Absolutely. Of course, none of us have a monopoly on truth. And, and that's true politically, too. I'm a left-winger, but there's some very intelligent conservatives in this country. Eisenhower said the American mind at its best is both liberal and conservative. There are high-minded conservative principles as well as high-minded liberal principles. And... The, the, the really dark stuff that you and I have talked about today, that's not conservative or liberal. That's corporatist. Yeah. That's an amoral corporatism that is not conservative or liberal. Yeah, we have to um, learn honorable debate and disagreement. Um, just like in an intimate relationship, you have to be able to fight. You have to be able to duke it out. You have to be able to say, okay, we have to talk. Yeah. I mean, that, it, you, the relationship will get stuck w without that. But you, you can talk without under the belt, without, you know, without unfair, you know, nonviolent communication. And we need to always remember that in politics as much as in everything else. None of us uh, has the only take on truth. Beautiful. Well, your connection to your own values and heart and empathy, um, it's inspiring. Thank you. So, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> thank you. All right, wrap this thing up. Thanks for listening. Here we go. Thank <laughs> you, darling. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That was fun.
Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I want to present y'all with a fun opportunity of starting a program that I created called the Align Method Online Program that focuses on unwinding the unsightly patterns of staring into technology, essentially. So forward head posture, roll forward shoulders, hyperkyphotic spine, disengage glutes, knees collapsing in. If there's collapse in any level in the body, it will trickle up and down through the rest of the system. That program focuses on unwinding those things, giving you self-care practices, movement practices, and lifestyle adjustments, very subtle ones, that will give you all more flexibility, more strength, more confidence, more energy, all the good things. Um, And you can start the first week absolutely free and just go to alignpodcast.com slash align method, A-L-I-G-N method. Along with that guy, you will receive the Align Band, which is a heavy-duty resistance band with a door anchor. And that also comes with its own online program that is free with that thing. Go to alignband.com and start that program for free. Um, I think that's it. I so greatly appreciate you guys listening to this conversation. So greatly appreciate reviews on iTunes, sharing uh, on the Instagrams or the Facebooks or wherever you do your shares. Uh, This program goes on lives on because of y'all so um it doesn't go unnoticed thank you for listening thank you for views thanks for joining your life enjoy